Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Love Hour Podcast. I am your host, Miss Kev, on stage, and I am joined by my husband and co-host. Kevin Fredericks. Well, I don't know if weird. I like that. I want to throw your guys off. It was weird. <laughs> the Kev on stage. Yeah, that was. like you're like an anchor. Yeah, it was just a tonight show with Kevin. Like Walter Cronkite. <laughs> um, we are. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, this is your first time listening to us. Thank you so much for listening and checking us out on today's episode. The Love Hour Podcast is, of course, hosted, like I said, by myself and my husband. We talk about life, love, and the pursuit of happiness. We often bring on experts as we have as we have done. Does that make sense? As we have done? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounded yeah, weird to say it loud. Okay, yeah. as we've done, maybe. Yeah. As we've done the entire month. Actually, we've done it quite a bit, but we've done that for the entire month of February because, as you know, we dedicate February to sex. So all of the topics in the month of February talk about sex in some way, shape, or form. And that will continue, of course, with today's episode. Um, I wanted to do a, a little bit, things a little bit different this year than I did last year and ensure that I covered more than just, like, sexual intimacy and, and sex and key and that kind of thing although I do want to do an episode on fetishes kinks and like BDSM I just want to cover it I think that it's an important topic to just discuss so I don't know I felt the need to say that but I did Um, I've been looking at like one or two yeah (laughs) I've been looking at like one or two different um, experts to come on to talk about it but that aside um, so that's what we've covered of course for the month of February what we are doing today is taking a little bit of a turn because a question and comment actually that comes up quite often or a request I should say that comes up quite often is for me to cover um, sexual trauma and how that impacts relationships specifically talking about romantic (coughs) relationships or relationships in general and um i search high and low and i finally found um someone that i felt could do the topic justice and she's here with us today her name is natalie gutierrez did i say it correctly (laughs) Um, i am so excited to have you here we were just talking before Excuse me. We were just talking before we went um, live, and I was talking about this podcast that I was listening to that covers different um, public fig- black public figures and the, like their rise and fall, or just their rise. And uh, the podcast covers uh, Barack Obama, Oprah, and Beyonce. And so I was listening to the Oprah one, which is actually really good. And they have interviews from her. And one of the things she talks about was um, early on when she started the Oprah Winfrey show, she talked about how it was really important for her to establish a very deep connection with her show. And so when guests and audience members uh, would come back and say, oh my God, like I feel like I know you. It feels like really deep. Like I re- like we have this connection and she, her response was it's because I intended it to be and that is something that stuck with me I listened to this podcast like mid-year last year and it stuck with me from that moment forward so everything that I do on this podcast and on this platform is very intentional Um, I always intend for it to cut deep and I always intend for it to cut wide and talk about things that you just don't see widely talked about or at the very least not talked about in 
people of the realm of people of color. It's also why you see a lot of people of color as my guests. Um, that's also really important that I'm always representing that we're out here as well. So um, I'm also looking for male. So listen, we're just on a whole little tangent here and I'm gonna take my time and go there. I have been looking high and low for a male LNFT. Um, preferably one of color to come on this show and talk about um, some different things that could impact and talk to African-American men. That's like super, super important to me and I cannot find them. So if you have any, please shoot them a text, an email or whatever and send them my way um, because I would love to have them on the show. So that aside, we have Natalie here with us. I would like to allow you the opportunity to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do and where you're from. Ooh, all right. Um, I just have to. I love what you're doing. Thank I love you. how intentional you're trying to be. I think that's really important, especially giving a space for people of color to show mm -hmm. um, the work that they're doing and also to have a say mm -hmm. in how we can help our communities yes. and all the communities. I feel like that's really important. So I love it. Thank I you. I love it. <laughs> you know, keep doing what you're doing. Um, okay. So, okay. So, in my <laughs> intro. <laughs> So I'm Nali Gutierrez, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in the state of New York and New Jersey. Mm -hmm. But I'm a native New Yorker, uh, born and raised in the Lower East Side before it's gentrification. So that was <laughs> his hipsterville. That's not where I grew up. <laughs> I didn't grow up with the hipsters. I grew up um, in the projects. So, um, and I'm very proud of that mm -hmm. because uh, the people that I grew up with in my community and the projects really uh, took care of me and um, really taught me the humility, mm. the power in humility mm -hmm. and the power of like needing to continue to help our people. So I, I keep that close to my heart. Um, I specialize in folks that, adult survivors of complex trauma. And so complex trauma includes sexual trauma, it includes attachment trauma, and attachment trauma just um, means uh, children that have been neglected by their caregivers growing up or children that have been beaten by their caregivers growing up, just feeling like, um, or having the experience of, of not having a secure attachment with their caregivers. Mm -hmm. So they either grow to become anxious, anxiously attached or avoidantly attached or, um, there's this, just a, a huge attachment rupture with these um, children and their caregivers and they grow to become adults mm -hmm. yeah. that struggle with attachment and struggle with relationships. So um, same as developmental trauma, uh, poverty, which is also trauma. It's also, oh. I mean, migrant trauma. There's, tra there's trauma. There's a lot of trauma. Tell me about poverty. Well, I was just about to say, girl, migrant, can you tell us Migrant trauma, too. Poverty, <laughs> poverty trauma is, and, and, and you see it with people in the projects, right? But even outside, where um, you can't afford health care, so you can't afford to get mental health services, you can't afford to go to the doctor, you have to get really, 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 really sick in order for you to be able to go to the doctor. Um, it looks like not being able to eat, right? Not knowing where the next mm -hmm. meal is gonna be coming from. And so you are constantly living in a state of um, fight or flight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're in a sympathetic, you are in an activated state because you're constantly in survival mode. Mm -hmm. You are in survival mode and, you, and, and all that you're thinking about is like, where am I gonna get my next meal? How am I gonna survive? Am I gonna live to tomorrow? Am I gonna be able to feed my children? Yeah. There's a lot of trauma in that. 
Got it. Well, um, just really quickly on there, I feel like that can show up later is um, like a scarcity mindset. Oh, heck yeah. Oh, it's mm-hmm. so funny. Kevin and I were just talking about mm-hmm. this this morning, maybe, or we, last night. We always talk about this. We do, but when we were talking about the flossers. Last night. Last night. Okay, so this is something that literally Kevin and I were just talking about. So Kevin just bought these um, flossers, and he bought like seven of them, and they come in a pack of 50. 40. 40. My dentist recommended them. Why do you need seven of 40? Like you're, you're going to, you're just from now until Jesus's return, you're going to have these. (laughs) There's no need to have this many. I just do not understand why you bought so many. And so he's like, so literally I'm looking at my um, cabinet because there's like a ton of them. And I'm like so irritated. And I realized in that moment how different we are. So Kevin is very much like, I need this. Let me buy all of them. So I'll always have them. And I am like, let me buy one and then let me use it once every other week. So that way it can last as long as possible mm-hmm. in case in the future, I don't have the money to afford it again. And that's like, literally, that's how I think about awesome. stuff. I'm just saying that's like the mindset <laughs> that I have with, um, stuff. with stuff in general. I think that poverty mindset can come in different ways. I think you can also, whenever you get money, you didn't used to have it. You you spend it like crazy. Like when you get a tax return, yeah. you know you you're waiting all year for that mm-hmm. money, and you blow it. Mm-hmm. That's how I was when I got my taxes. I remember the first time I got fifteen hundred dollars. I was like, oh snap! And I immediately drove down to Portland and bought a seven hundred dollar bass guitar, mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. money was gone in like I don't know two weeks. And I was like, next year tax return, yeah. I'm do this. <laughs> yeah. And like every time for a while until I got married, yeah. I just would blow them. You yeah. know, and I still have friends and family who. They, so much of their life is dependent on that tax return yeah. and they can't buy stuff until it happens right. and it's, it'd be gone in six weeks most yeah. of the time. Yeah. And the rest of the year is looking forward Oof. to that, that yeah. time. It's so funny. I think that's the, the, the flight or flight that you were talking about. And it teaches you, we've had episodes where we talk about um, your money style mm-hmm. and how much of your money style comes from, or your money story, sorry, how much of your money story is derived from your upbringing and like mm-hmm. how you interpreted mm-hmm. yeah. what was going on. Mm-hmm. So not having enough and then having a whole bunch of money. So you're like, let me buy everything yeah. right now. Yeah. Or I grew up with not enough. And so let me hold on to it for as long as possible it's so interesting how like the same scenario can show up in different ways right you know to different people absolutely i I feel my husband who will be watching like pointing at me (laughs) (laughs) and he's like you are the overspender because that was me that's how (laughs) that's how i that's how i did it um that's how i dealt with my poverty trauma which is waiting for the the refund checks to come yep. through yep. <laughs> in college, waiting for those refund yep. checks because yep. then I could buy my, you know, yeah. my clothes, right? Then I can like fit in. Then I don't have to look like I'm struggling right. Right. while everyone else is, yeah. you know, doing, like I can play the part, right? Yeah. I can feel like I'm enough. And yeah. that is such a trauma mm-hmm. response. Melissa and I don't have this shared at all. My family, we both grew up poor, but very differently when her family didn't take vacations at all. Mm-hmm. And my grandma took us to Vegas and we stayed at Circus Circus, which when a, you're a poor kid going to Las Vegas and staying in that hotel, I thought we were rich for that weekend. Mm-hmm. So now when we travel, I do my level of Circus Circus for my kids, but it's just life has been good <laughs> and we work really hard. Mm-hmm. So that is like a first class trip to Japan, mm-hmm. you know? So my mm-hmm. kids are like, I don't, 
if they level up to me, they're going to be flying Emirates in mm-hmm. the residence. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that looks like for mm-hmm. them. And actually, I just realized that our children don't have poverty mindset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We had less that version than even what you were talking about. And I, me and Melissa always struggle with this. And I know this is the point of the episode. So I, we always struggle with this because we're like, how do we teach our children to be grateful for everything when they've had access to everything? Mm-hmm. Like we were grateful because we never got stuff. Like when we went to McDonald's, it was like, <gasps> McDonald's, oh, <laughs> we get to get a toy, we get to play in the play place. Right. Like it wasn't an everyday thing. Like, and I remember Melissa and I were laughing about this. Picked my kids up from school one day, we were like, hey, want to get a, grab some food before we get home? And they were like, yeah, let's go to Benihana's. And I was like, fam, what? I was doing that on a Tuesday afternoon. And they don't even go to Benihana's like that. That's like a birthday dinner, not like a Tuesday at 3.30 thing. And I realized at that moment, oh, y'all living different yeah. than we are living. You know, so me and Melissa grew up, uh, at least I did, I don't know if you did, sharing a room until I was in 11th grade. Mm-hmm. I shared a room every time. We have a house now that the boys have never had to share a room ever. Mm-hmm. And they share a room just because they like each other. <laughs> and I'm like, fam, y'all need your own room? They're like, ah, but it's, uh, I'll be scared. I'll be scared a little bit. <laughs> you know what I'm like? All we wanted was our own room. So, so bad. And they've had that chance forever. And they've never exercised it. So our son is going to high school. And this will be the first time, like a couple months ago, he was like, I'm ready for my own space. Oh. And it's just crazy how different they are. They don't have that poverty mindset. They don't have scarcity mindset. So we are raising them is so different than us mm-hmm. because we we're in uncharted territory, mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. that was good. It's so mm-hmm. interesting that um, how you, I didn't realize that poverty could be um, considered trauma, mm-hmm. but it, it all makes sense. And even talking about our money story and all of that, how it all relates, it's really fascinating. And Betterment has a really great question for you. How are you supposed to know what to do with your money? Very few of us are exposed to meaningful advice on how to manage mm-hmm. our finances, especially mm-hmm. when we're talking about our money story and you're talking about how you were raised and how that impacts you later. We grow up and we don't know what to do. Even fewer have the means to get professional financial guidance. Betterment is a platform that was built to do something radical, to give accessible financial advice that puts you first. If you're like most Americans, your money is probably sitting in a savings account, likely earning you next to nothing. Maybe you have an investment account that you're not really sure what to do with. Betterment can help you make sense of what to do with your money. Investing involves risk, but you don't have to know the ins and outs of the stock market to start saving more or start investing for your future. Betterment's technology will put your money to work, choosing the stocks and strategies that are right for you. Because we know you have other things to do. Betterment's platform can even provide guidance on what financial goals make sense for you. Give your money a new home with Betterment, peace of mind included. Download the Betterment app today. That's Betterment, B-E-T-T-E-R-M-E-N-T for the betterment of you. That's Betterment, B-E-T-T-E-R-M-E-N-T for the betterment of you. And this is a really great way to figure out your your, um, money story and then get on the track to saving money the way that you wish you always could. All right, so what we're going to do is quickly go into, segue into the episode, again, where we're talking about trauma. Um, So before we get into it, I have like one or two disclosures. Disclosure number one, Kevin might be a little bit muted today because we want to be responsible and sensitive to the um, sensitivity of this topic. So um, with that said, child, don't give him a hard time in the comments if he's not his normal uh, And I'm a little sick and tired. 
not like sick and tired, but like literally sick and tired. Because <laughs> um, I've been sick, so I've been sleeping well. So if I'm yawning, forgive me, I'm a human being. Mm-hmm. And we can't take mm-hmm. time off of work. Mm-hmm. Yes. We're sick. Mm-hmm. And I be sick and you don't be. I never get sick. I'd be sick. I'd be. <laughs> yeah, I, I cannot. The last time I, in the seven years we've been here, I've been sick once. Wow. And I had um, what's that throat? Yeah, bronchitis. I'm like, what's that throat thing? <laughs> I had bronchitis. I was like sick, sick, and Ooh. that was it. And even then, it took me like three weeks to go to the doctor. I get sick all the time. Um, so anyway, that's our first disclosure. Our second disclosure, I'll actually let you do it. Do you want to do the second disclosure yeah. talking about? Yeah, I think you might have the, the LMFT wording for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, you know, I, I think that we may touch on some topics, especially around sexual trauma that are going to activate some people naturally. And I just want you to take the time to be gentle with yourself and to just check in with your body as you are hearing the episode, what if you're hearing like now live or even after, that you just check in with your body, that you take some deep belly breaths, that you try to just be there for your, if you need to pause, if you Mm -hmm. need to pause the episode and take a break, however that looks like, I just wanna remind you to take care of yourself because we're going to talk about some deep, hard things, and I just want to um, normalize that some stuff might come up for you and that, you, that it's important to take care of yourself. Thank you. That was great. And uh, we, I've actually never done a disclosure like that, so that was really, um, really good. So before we get into it, I kind of want to go through some definitions, mm-hmm. and we can talk about, we already talked about one form of trauma when you talked about the poverty mindset, but you or the poverty being a form of trauma, but there's sexual trauma, mm-hmm. so maybe we can talk about the different um, ways that that may look like, mm-hmm. and then um, the attachment trauma, which we kind of talked a little bit about with um, Dr. Watson last week, where we talked about the avoidance uh, mm-hmm. attachment style, the secure attachment mm-hmm. style, and the anxious attachment style. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. So um, maybe we can go through each of those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, as far as, I guess, just defining trauma. Trauma is when um, when you experience a situation that. I want to say shatters your past belief about yourself, about your environment. It, it's a, how would I say, it's a form, it, it, it's especially, well, hmm, no, I was going to say especially sexual trauma, but that's wrong too because when someone's been, if your body has been violated in any way, it is this, 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 sense of a loss of a safe world as you once knew it. Ooh, that was a great definition. It is when everything that you knew prior to an incident of trauma is gone, it's decimated. And then there's this grief that comes along and it comes along. Oh, that just made me sad. It's painful. It's painful. It's because they're, you know, you lose something, right? You lose your felt sense of safety and you lose your idea of what a safe world looks like for you. And when that happens, grief comes in and mm-hmm. grief comes in as a tidal wave. It's, it's like a boom, you know, it just hits you. Mm-hmm. And, and then there is the huge um, leap 
from having experienced a safe world to now experiencing the world as dangerous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is now the way that you see the world. Now you look at the world through the lens of everything is dangerous, people are dangerous, you start to um, become more hypervigilant. Mm -hmm. You start to anticipate the shoe is always going to drop at any moment, mm -hmm. right? This person's always going to leave. This mm -hmm. person's going to leave me. Everyone's going to leave me at some point, or I'm always going to be hurt. Someone's always going to try to hurt me and take advantage of me. Mm -hmm. You are always on edge. It is hypervigilance. It it is um, it is a shift in the autonomic nervous system, mm -hmm. where like there are actually real biological, like neurological changes that happen for wow. us, where our neurons uh, begin to expect wow. bad things to happen to wow. us, and it does so to protect us. Right. It doesn't do it to torture us. Like we're not trying to actively torture ourselves. Mm -hmm. This is all out of our own protection. Our, mm -hmm. our bodies and our brains and all of that kick in to try to protect us so that we can try to evade mm -hmm. more harm uh, or rejection or you know just any sort of hurt being done to us. Yeah. I think I, I, I don't think I suffer trauma in the way you're describing, but I think <clears throat> even in business, when I first moved to LA, we got taken advantage. I got taken advantage of on the business side, and it just clicked in my mind. Now I approach every business relationship is how they trying to beat me, how they trying to trick me. Mm -hmm. What's in this contract mm -hmm. that I don't see? Mm -hmm. Like, so I can imagine that mm -hmm. being that much more heightened right. if it were like a, a, a trauma that happened to me on a personal level, right. and even more if it was like by a family member. Like, mm -hmm. if my family could do this to me, of course, a stranger Absolutely. or somebody I've never met, of course they're gonna do that to me because my family did this to me. My family treated me this way. Right. So no one can treat me right because right. the people who were, were initially thought were supposed to treat me right didn't. I think um, even with me, with my, my biological father not being there, I feel like um, Melissa and I have talked about this at length and I even talked about it here more on the bonus episodes than this. Like having a feeling, even if it wasn't his intention, Mm -hmm. But having a feeling of, I don't want you, yeah. therefore I'm leaving you, yeah. it colored a lot of my relationships like that. Like, it, it, and, it, and it, I overdo it with my children mm -hmm. because of that, because I feel guilty that because my job requires me to travel, they're going to feel how I felt. Right. So I've got to spend money on them and I've got to, you know, you know, do this and that. And even if I'm tired, i got to play with, you know what I mean? Because yeah. I feel like right. I know what it was to be that little kid who felt like this person didn't. Mm -hmm. Love me. And then my parents who lived in the home worked so much that they didn't attend stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, nobody cares about me. Yeah. Nobody who's supposed to support me does. Right. You know what I mean? So I've got to find right. that in other people. And I never really, this is why therapists are good because you're never really understanding how you are. How everything is built upon one another. Yeah. Like how you yeah. see the world based on how your world was, was built. Absolutely. You know, you color your own narrative through yeah. your your hurts and traumas and pain. Right. And you don't even realize that. We were talking right. about this on Kevin Hart's documentary. He tries so hard to be like, I'm fine with my dad. Yeah. The stuff he did, I'm mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. And it's obvious he's not fine. Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't even see, he didn't even see how he's, how he's moving now because mm -hmm. of that. And just saying you're fine doesn't mean you are. Like right. you're not even seeing how you act because of this. Right. And the outside world is like, it's pretty obvious that you're not fine. And this is why you do that stuff. And I think the same can be said for me. Mm -hmm. In just different ways from from Kevin Hart, where I'm like, oh, that's no big deal. My my, my real dad wasn't there. My parents, but it's cool because of this, you know, this, this, that, and that. Right, and that that is classic attachment trauma. So we're talking about defining what attachment trauma is. It is that that is that. Mm -hmm. 
So for me, um, in, in self-disclosure, I am a survivor of sexual trauma. Mm. And I'm also, I've also witnessed domestic violence in my home. Mm. So they're more common than you think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're more common than you think. And um, how that affected me was, uh, one, kind of similar to what you're saying, Kev, is, is the, the attachment on, on your children. For me, it was... A constant intrusive memory like something is gonna happen to me mm -hmm. right because my past painful learning has taught me mm -hmm. that something bad is gonna happen to me mm -hmm. and so that's so just like, expecting it yeah so you just expect it you so are, do you become overprotective with your kids you're super that for me I am mm -hmm. I am and I have to check myself constantly like who who is in the room right now like it is not just me and my children there are more people in the room mm -hmm. right now yeah. Um, and, and this, and it's important that I check myself because I also don't want to pass this down energetically to my right. children. Right. right sorry. Um, no <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, but you know, there, there, when, when we have this feeling or this, this, when our hypervigilance is telling us something is bad, is going to happen. We're expecting bad stuff to happen. We're yeah. never expecting good things. To no, happen. No, no, We're never expecting to go out and find $20 on the And floor. when good no. things happen, you're always expecting someone to take it away. Yes. It's only going to last for a little bit of yes. time. Like me and Melissa right. struggle like with this career. Eventually, we're going to get canceled. The Patreon mm -hmm. people are going to go away. Yep. YouTube is gonna, something's mm -hmm. going to happen, and we're going to be poor and broke again. Right. Even though nothing right. in life says that's true. Right. Because when we were little, that is what happened. We yep. had a car. It broke down. Now we don't have a car anymore. Yep. You know, you're just because people took stuff away from us. Nice houses, mm -hmm. shoes, whatever. And I feel like there's so many different ways that that we always we can't even really sit and enjoy things like right. even when we go to japan it's like should we really have spent that on this what if you know whatever happens yeah. should we really have gotten this building for five-year lease what if i okay this is silly and i'm not trying to make this episode funny but this is how i really think <laughs> every year when i start stand-up comedy tours i lose my voice a little bit because mm. i go from not performing that much to performing five six times a mm -hmm. week so i always lose my voice every the last three years in a row. Every time it happens, I'm like, I'm never gonna be able to talk again. If I can't talk, I can't tell jokes. I can't tell mm -hmm. jokes. I can't feed my family. Right. Every time I'm sick, what if I, what if I break my hand and I can't drive? You know, like it's just like, like who loses their voice completely? That's so rare. But every time I get sick, I'm like, that's it. Yeah. And this is this is yeah. how it starts. You know yeah. what I mean? This is, this is the beginning of the this end. This is the beginning of the, the end. Beginning of the end. Yeah. And and one thing, um, Kevin, as you're speaking too, like what's coming up for me is. Is I think like for uh, for for folks too, especially folks of color, right? Especially Black Indigenous people of color. There's also ancestral trauma, mm. right? Like there's also your family's experienced slavery. Yeah. If your if your family has experienced you know genocide and all of that, like there are legacy burdens that we carry. Legacy burdens. There are yeah. there yeah. are That's right. That's there really are. Legacy burdens that we carry that um, that are passed down through attachment trauma, because naturally, when you think about survivors of, you know, something that has been that horrific, mm -hmm. you are going to struggle naturally with you know caretaking for your children and mm -hmm. stuff like that, or however that looks like, and then that's going to affect them, and then that's going to affect them, and then that's going to affect them, and then there's also whatever like the epigenetics and genetic changes that happen in the body, but we carry that too mm. we carry that too like there is there is the oh my gosh i'm things are going to be taken away from me not even just because of our own childhood but also because of the legacy burdens that we've carried from our ancestors who have been murdered right mm. who have been enslaved like 
there there's that too Wow. I think even with the police, for, for me, experiencing the trauma through, like, my own experiences with police prior mm-hmm. to, like, social media and then, like, these black men dying at the hands of police. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I remember I told this story mm-hmm. before. I was walking to ADD a couple years ago, and there was, like, six cops on each side of the uh, sidewalk. They were just chilling. And I had to walk through them to get to my office, and I held my breath. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, my God, okay. Like, because all those videos play of, like, you know, what are you doing here, this and that, getting thrown up against, you know, guns pulled on you. Still, like, luckily or thankfully, I never had a gun pulled on me by police, but I've been harassed even when I was a kid. You know what I mean? So it's amazing how you internalize stuff that hasn't even happened to you yet. Mm-hmm. Right. As if it's a, you know, your body processes it as a, as a true potential fear. Right. And in, the, in these instances, these cops weren't even doing it. They actually said, hello, good afternoon. Like, but I'm not even seeing them. Mm-hmm. I'm just seeing. Th- those uniforms, badges, guns, right. I'm seeing those actions and how they're portrayed and knowing that that can happen to me and preparing myself right. for like If I see a cop in back of me, I tense up every, yeah. every time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So one of the things that you said earlier, what you called it um, an intrusive memory. Yeah. And so I wanted to talk about how, so when you're in, when you've experienced some sort of trauma, whether it be sexual trauma or whatever type of trauma, how that shows, how that memory can show up in your, or impact maybe your relationship. And I want to kind of talk about all relationships, but also like specifically talking about like romantic relationships. Mm Um, so intrusive memories are. Can I can I actually talk about like what it is? Yeah, of course. It's an, it's an, mm-hmm. um, I'm always here for clear definition. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so intrusive memories are um, can be seen as essentially flashbacks, right? Or just it could be flashbacks, but it can also be like the thought of something bad is gonna happen, right? Mm-hmm. And you you just already like there's an intrusive memory of the past that says things have, bad have happened that in your be, past mm-hmm. and they're gonna happen again. When it comes to, uh, in the form of flashbacks, flashbacks are actually the self-healing system at work. Like flashbacks are the self Okay. Yeah. And the reason why it's so is because when we have like a specific trauma that has happened to us, the the amygdala, that's part of the, the, a very important part of the brain that like stores memories of trauma to help protect us, um, it'll scan the incident it'll scan whatever sensory stuff you whatever sensory stuff that Mm -hmm. that it can pick up from a trauma that you've experienced and it stores it and the the idea is that when you experience uh either a smell or a sound or even just like an emotional trigger so if someone let's say saying something to you that a perpetrator of violence has said to you in the past that automatically activates Mm. you that is the amygdala. That is the working, that is the, the beautiful workings of the amygdala that is saying, hey, this is dangerous. Remember when this happened in the past yeah, when yeah, this yeah. person said this? So um, the amygdala sears this, this um, energy of the trauma. Like okay. I said, it just takes yeah. the sensory and stuff. It doesn't really like process it narratively. There's no narrative of it. Got it. So it just gets stored as like fragmented energy and stuff. And like... Um, yeah, I'll just say like fragmented, just energy and, um, and, and, um, oh, sorry. I'm trying to think where was I ring? Oh yes. So the reason why I'm saying that flashbacks are the self healing system at work is because when we're having this like 
thought that just comes into our mind and we're like, where's that coming from? Or like, why is this happening? It's essentially our brain saying, giving us a file that's saying like, I need you to actually process this. Like, I need you to actually, like, this is, this um, hasn't been processed. This hasn't, this doesn't have a narrative. You're just having these experiences in your body, but you're not understanding why. And I just need you to like, pay attention to me. I need you to give words to this experience. Mm -hmm. I need you to connect the dots. Does that make sense? It yeah. does. So, uh, so okay. So my question then is, I could see how this is like really helpful and healthy, but can it, can it, can the what did you call it? the amygdala? The amygdala. The amygdala. Can it become overactive? Heck yeah. And so where you're just like, this isn't even that. Like I just want, like I could see it becoming so active that you become frustrated yeah. because maybe you're trying to live a quote unquote normal life, but you feel like everything is triggering to you. Yeah. So how do you balance? And maybe it's the narrative part. I actually thought that was really mm -hmm. important that maybe you haven't associated a narrative where you could say, right. okay. So sensory wise, maybe it's the lights or maybe it's the pants or maybe it's whatever is like triggering this memory. But in this moment, I am safe. Right. And that like, so you, you mm -hmm. understand what's happening in your body, but now you've associated your own narrative so you mm -hmm. can move forward. Okay. Right. Finish. Cause I'm right. making up stuff. So no, you got it. Okay. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. That, um, the amygdala is just like giving us files. It's like, oh yeah, remember that smell? That's from this. You remember this? That's from this. It's doing nothing else, but it's not say, It's not even saying like, but you're not, actually not in danger because this mm. is not the person. Da, 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 da. It's just like, this is this smells associated with that. This you know Got this scent. and and so it is. The only job that it's doing is just giving us the files. Um, then our body starts to respond to it. Our body goes into this fight or flight. Mm. So that's when we start like, ah, we, we oh. become really activated. Um, and then we start navigating to like just different states from um, being in a fight or flight. And if we're there too long, we can go into a shutdown. Oh. Um, so being in, I just wanna just, I guess I feel like I'm not being as clear. When we're in, when we're in a fight or flight response, like mm -hmm. when we're in a sympathetic nervous system response, our mm -hmm. heart starts to beat faster. Mm -hmm. Uh, we start to maybe sweat, um, our blood pressure rises. Yeah. There are actual like body changes that have, we get sick. Mm -hmm. Our digestion system uh, turns off and, and, and so does the reproductive system. Like that part is all shut down because it's just worried. It, it just wants us to either fight and get out of whatever situation mm. we're in or avoid it completely. Yeah. Got it. And so that either, like if you, you know, in a relationship, to answer your question, how that looks like when it's, when you're in an activated state is you either start fighting with your partner or you're like, I don't even want to talk to you. Yep. It becomes like that. this pursuer distancer yeah. um, relationship or dynamic mm -hmm. where it is just like, I cannot even talk to you and I'm just shut down. You know, that withdrawn person who like doesn't say anything, who's just completely like, like, I don't care, whatever, yeah. do whatever it is that you want. That is a shutdown mode. And when you're in a sympathetic for too long, mm -hmm. you will naturally go into a shutdown mode. So when you say a sympathetic mode, what does that mean? Like a fight or flight response. Okay, so that's when you're like super activated. Okay. When uh, your heart is like, okay. you're, when you're anxious, when you're angry, these are uh, when you're hyper, when you're experiencing experiencing hyper arousal, you are Got in a it. sympathetic nervous system state. You are in a fight or flight. Got it. And when your heart slows down, but it slows down for not a good reason because you're shut down. Mm -hmm you are in a shutdown state you got are it. numb got it you can even dissociate there are people that will just you know dissociate um 
and and you can't have a relationship like that right yeah. when someone is just completely withdrawn and numb and that happens a lot with trauma that happens a lot with trauma when people is it because safe. sorry i didn't mean to cut you no. off is it because you haven't processed it that you shut mm -hmm. down like you like i feel like your brain mm -hmm. is maybe on overload yeah and so your it's just like, like too much right it's like the circuit Turn breaker. Off. It's like the circuit breaker. If there's too much energy, you know, like if you have too much stuff on at mm. the same I time. That. That's a good analogy. It is. And my sister, one thing that she always says is when she gets overwhelmed and she's just like, I don't know what to do and I have so much to do. She's like, I just take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I feel like that's what your body yeah. is like. Uh, we're done. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it out here. I'm done. Professional procrastinators. Absolutely. You have a thousand and one things mm. to do. You're like, yeah, I'm going to nap. Those <laughs> are the best naps too. Stuff. The naps when you have a whole bunch of stuff to do and you be like but how about sleep though yeah be like, yeah yeah best sleep in the world yeah while we're talking yeah. about napping really quickly i want to tell you about one way to also get some energy and that is through witch rule what better health doesn't happen overnight and right now ritual is offering my listeners 10 percent off during your first three months fill in the gaps with your diet with this with essential for women a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body visit ritual.com slash love hour to start your ritual today and get 10% off during the first three months at ritual.com slash love hour. They have everything from D3 to omega-3 rituals. Essential for women helps to, again, to fill in the gaps for your diet. Women are always more prone to like osteoporosis and like different, um, you know, bone things and different things like that. So it's always important to get your um, vitamins and those type of things from as many sources as possible. I also want to tell you about, about Glossier. I actually have their um lip gloss thing it's like a multifaceted thing it's like a tube and you can use it for like ash on your hands and for your lips it's amazing i use it all of the time for my kids and for kevin's ashy elbows um it is fantastic people are always asking me about my glowy skin and what i do i always say that you can't prime your skin into a healthy glow it's all about your skincare hyaluronic acid is the word i'm looking for and it holds uh it helps to moisturize your skin it's really really good stuff actually and glossier's top selling milky jelly cleanser is the perfect way to start your skincare routine the ph balance formula has a blend of five skin conditioners dermatologist tested hypoallergenic non-irritating cruelty and paraben free it's tough on impurities but gentle on the eyes and everywhere else get that glowy dewy skin for yourself by visiting glossier.com slash podcast slash love learn more and take the quiz to find out your ultimate glossier skincare routine plus all new customers will get 10 percent off the first order if you go to glossier.com slash podcast slash love slash podcast slash love i know again that's glossier that's spelled g-l-o-s-s-i-e-r.com slash podcast slash love certain exclusions may apply and i'll link the um hyaluronic acid that i've been using because i think you guys would love it i'm looking at the wrong camera um okay so i want to dive back in i needed to break that up really quickly but i wanted to dive back in because one thing um that we keep talking about are the um like how it affects you and so can you give people um uh, what do we call it ways to mitigate mm -hmm. those responses in your relationship so you feel like you don't have to 
um, I don't know if be a victim is maybe the best terminology, but where you don't have to be a victim or you don't have to succumb to the moment of those flashbacks. Because mm-hmm. I feel like you might feel like they like arrest you in Entirely. the moment and there's nothing you can do. Okay. Entirely. Yeah, you are you are being like re-victimized. That mm-hmm. is what is happening. It's happening all over again. And then essentially what's happening like is, that wording. especially with sexual trauma, um, if it's affecting your relationship, um, both you know, outside of the bedroom and in the bedroom, it's important that we energetically keep the perpetrator or perpetrators of violence away from contaminating the bedroom. That Say it again. That we energetically keep. What do you mean by energetically? That um, that our spouses, right, or okay. partners, that they're not our perpetrators. Got it. Right. I mean, unless you are, are. right? Yeah. Unless they are, but but that any sort of inhibition, uh, you know, to have sex, mm-hmm. any sort of like just fear of having sex, that if you know, for survivors of sexual trauma, that this is how their sexual trauma <coughs> is getting in the way of them actually. Uh, having a closer, deeper connection with their partner mm-hmm. or partners, so we don't want to exclude. Mm-hmm. Any, but um, and so uh, part of it is um, what I what I tell people is it's important that we keep our perpetrators away, like from our bedroom, that we keep them out, that we keep them out, so that they don't contaminate our bedroom. Got it. That you close the door, mm-hmm. and how that looks like. Um, it's really uh, vulnerability. Vulnerability is the antithesis of being in a trauma state. Oh. Ironically, it's also really? <laughs> what it seems like that would be the hardest thing to do. Yeah. It is. It is super. It is the. It is because it. it it's vulnerability is super hard because we when we were when 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 survivors were you know violated, they were vulnerable, right? Yeah. But in order to reclaim. You need to reclaim your also your vulnerability and, and your desire to, to want to be seen and experienced by your partner 100%. And I think that is the fear that so many survivors have when they're having sex with their partner, but even, again, outside of the bedroom, that we are so afraid, one, we're so afraid to want yeah. our partner because to want our partner on a deep level what it's, happens when we want? We might lose them. Yeah, that's emotional exposure. <laughs> yes. It, we might lose them. We might be hurt, right? Again, perceived threat. But also, they might see us. Mm. When it, it's, especially for survivors of trauma, it's hard to, to have sex with um, partners that actually know more about you than what you want them to know. Mm. You are, that, and that is where you're vulnerable. Yeah. When you're looking into somebody's eyes and you're sharing something, you know, like you're exchanging energy, but you're also like, it's like soul to soul, yeah. spirit to spirit. Yeah. It's, it's terrifying. And especially if that's ever weaponized against you. Yes. Then mm-hmm. it, it's nearly impossible. I'm grateful Melissa's never done that, but mm-hmm. I've had male friends who are like, man, I told my wife or my girlfriend some of my deepest, darkest secrets. And then we got an argument. She Ooh. brought it up and threw it in my face. And that was like the last time I was ever able to... <sighs> To do to to open up to her because it's like you took me at a vulnerable 
state yeah. and you used my vulnerability against me. Mm-hmm. Now my body's like, see what happens when you do that? Yeah. This is why you can't, yeah. you know, you, uh, why you can't do that. And that, right. that happens, that happens a lot. Yeah. This is why you can't trust people, right? Yeah. This is why you can't you can't open up at a hundred percent because they're gonna hurt you in the end. And so, how does that affect relationships? You're not truly connected with somebody at a hundred. I feel like the biggest I don't know maybe internal tug of war with that is maybe recognizing that I'm not as close with my partner as I want to be because I can't like i'm not going to be or i'm not vulnerable with you but the other half of you is like also you're not vulnerable for a reason Mm. because remember Mm -hmm. so how do you reconcile i mean it's valid you Mm -hmm. know what i mean like the idea of being hyper vigilant is valid because you were violated right but also you're in this safe space where it's okay so how do you reconcile those two like opposing arguments yeah and i think a lot of this you can't think yourself out of this. Like Ooh. you can't, you can't tell yourself like, I am safe. I am safe. I am safe. I guess maybe you could. It's not going to be as helpful. I think before you tell yourself, I am safe. I am safe. I am safe. Um, or even hearing it from someone else, hearing it from your partner by saying like, you're safe with me. Yeah. You know, I'm not here to hurt you. Like I love you and like I see you. Yeah. Right. Even before hearing that, to have it really sink in. We need to deactivate this threat, this threat response. Okay. Because it's natural that we're all going to perceive our partners as threats when we are at our most vulnerable. Right. Them, yeah. Right. So we we have to bring it back to the body. That's like step one because that is where the the, the, the trauma is stored. That's where all of it. You know, Bessel van der Kolk wrote a book. The body keeps the score, mm-hmm. and that is it. The the trauma memories are here. They're all, our bodies remember it. Mm-hmm. And so we need to be able to reintroduce safety to ourselves. We, we have to give ourselves safety. And also, um, I mean, yeah, like a safe body. Because if, if we're in an activated state for a long period of time, like can you imagine if your heart is constantly yeah, beating faster, just... there are long-term health consequences Absolutely. for you. Stress. That are waiting. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It is not, it is not good. There yeah, are cardiovascular issues that can happen. So, um, and so um, what I find to be very effective, and it sounds super basic, but like really bringing it back to the breath, mm. because the breath, especially deep belly breathing, not the chest breathing that we do as, a, in, mm-hmm. as adults, mm-hmm. but like the infant um, diaphragmatic breathing that that they engage in that we bring it back to the breath because when we're breathing from our belly we're breathing like with our with our body okay. and that helps to slow down the heart rate um, what's the opposite of tense tense muscles relax thank you <laughs> untense yeah untense your muscles um, relax your muscles the more that you do that you cannot be in an activated state with relaxed relaxed yeah. muscles yeah you cannot be in an activated state so you need to release the tension in your muscles you need to breathe into your body and slow down your heart rate once you're providing safety and like centeredness and groundedness mm-hmm. for yourself in your body that's when you can put i like to put my hand over my heart and i just remind myself like i'm safe mm-hmm. i am not in danger right now yeah nobody here is gonna hurt me i'm all right i'm safe oh. and yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so emotional. 
I okay, will touch her. Do not, do not rub her back. She will smack your arm off. I know. I don't know why that was so emotional for me. Because it's so it's a newer network. Because, because it's so powerful and, and, and survivors do not hear it. Mm. They do not hear it as much. They don't hear They don't tell it to themselves. Yeah. And other people don't tell it to them. And so you're walking around. Like, I just really, I think of my clients. And, I mean, I've done a lot of years of work in therapy. But even then, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm still human, right? Mm -hmm. I still suffer. Um, there is, there is a pain that mm -hmm. happens when you walk around feeling like you cannot trust everyone. Yeah. That even, um, Kevin was saying earlier about that, you know, things can be taken away, right? Or, or not even things that, not, not that things could be taken away, but that when people do kind things for you, mm -hmm. that you automatically feel like... They're trying to get something. They're right. trying to do something. They're trying to beat me in it's some all way. Cynical. And that is also what survivors of sexual trauma experience because when you think about it, many times for survivors um, that were abused as children, it has started with grooming. Mm -hmm. where mm. a trusted adult has groomed them. Yeah. And so there is this reward and then a punishment. And so now that gets imprinted in our body, yeah. right? That gets stored in our body, store, amygdala stores it. Yeah. And so now someone does something nice for you and you're like, at some point mm -hmm. this person is going to hurt me. So, you know, this is a funny thing that I, I'm sorry. In Major Pain, the movie, have you seen Major Pain? Mm -mm. So he's this this military general's been through all this war and stuff and this little kid just loves him like he's like a five-year-old kid mm -hmm. he's like he's trying to give him a hug and he like puts the kid in the headlock he's like what's your angle boy and the girl's like what are you doing he's yeah. like he's just like he's trained that everyone who tries to get get you is trying to hurt you yeah. so he can't even process it from a child and i think mm -hmm. that uh mm -hmm. it reminded me of antoine fisher like he he's just like everybody is an enemy you're just perceiving mm -hmm. everything as an enemy a perceived threat and and which is worse is you're not even sure what their angle is. Yeah. Right. So you can never fully relax. Right. You know, you can't even. Right. I was, uh, there's this NFL players, they cheat on their wives and stuff. And they fall, they're, they're, they can never fall asleep. Mm. Because you fall mm. asleep, the girl takes pictures of you. This happened mm. to Julian Edelman or something mm. like that. And I was being double, we were talking about this one day. And I was like, I just, there's such a piece about being able to fall asleep around someone you yeah. trust. Yes. Because you. Right. If you're like being asleep is the most vulnerable you right, can really be. Right. And Melissa was telling me this is so weird. Like she cannot fall asleep in Ubers mm -hmm. because she doesn't mm -hmm. feel like I'd be knocked clean out. Cause I'm not like, what you even whoop me? Like, I, you know, I assess the people like, mm, fam, yeah, I'm going to sleep. Mm -hmm. She's like, I cannot fall asleep because she cannot bring herself to be in a relaxed, vulnerable state mm -hmm. around a stranger. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I just think that's so interesting what you're saying of like, there's so many different ways that you process right. life when you've had trauma in all these different ways. Honestly, mm -hmm. I didn't know this episode was going to be like this. I thought it was going to be like, you know, sexual trauma and rape. And I'll be like, okay, yeah, some stuff I don't know nothing about. Mm -hmm. But you talk about stuff I know a lot about. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dang, man, how am I processing things? Mm -hmm. How do I see trauma? How am I like holding tension in my life? What am mm -hmm. I seeing as perceived threat? Mm -hmm. You know, especially as our career. I'm going I'm to share something that I'm really sure. Um, as our career pro progresses, people that we love are seeing us as a monetary outlet mm -hmm. with no relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's making me feel a little cynical because mm -hmm. I'm like, fam, you don't even hit me up for nothing. Mm -hmm. But you got no problem hitting me up for 
cash? Like, mm-hmm. you don't even talk to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's making me more closed off to yeah. people that are not, like, people like Josh, who I know were my friends prior and would be my friends after, fine. Other people, I'm like, mm, there's only so close I'll allow a new person in because I'm like major pain. Like, what's your angle? What are you yeah, trying to get from right. me? How are you trying right. to, to take away what I've worked for? Right. What, what's you? Are you trying to blackmail me? Are you right. trying to get the key to my office? Right. You know, are you trying to uh, tag along and get right. followers from me? Like, right. I, I don't I don't feel that people are being my friends or I, I don't even maybe don't even allow them to be my friends on a genuine basis because I've seen how this has happened to other people, right. and especially my friends in the industry. Like. Man, it's it's like, you know, people say you change and what really happens is the people around you change mm-hmm. and then you change in response to right. that as opposed to you changing. Oh, I got money. Don't hit me up. It's right. like, no, man, when I it, it, here's the last thing I'll say. People don't even know what we have or don't have. Mm-hmm. They just mm-hmm. see a blue check mark. And right. like, okay, you got to be rich. Right. Help me. Like, right. fam, you realize we've got this out the mud. Right. Nobody was there to help us. When mm-hmm. we came from L.A. to L.A. from Washington. We were not sure it was going to work. Mm. When we couldn't go back home, we rented out our house. We couldn't go to our parents' house. So we were like, uh, here goes. <laughs> and for people to be like, now give me some money now that you worked hard. Like, no. Because mm-hmm. what if I get canceled? What if mm-hmm. I become Sinbad? Right. You know, like, Sinbad had a lot. And then he didn't get canceled in mm-hmm. no movies. Oh. He lied. So I be thinking about that. All right. <laughs> I'm just uh, I'm taking it all in because I mean just yeah right like it's even like your success is activating a part of them that is like Mm. you know we want some of that and like there's these assumptions that you are yeah um and I I so actually and and you're bringing up a a point that I um something that I feel like I want to emphasize which is that um, and especially with vulnerability, I do not advocate for survivors of any sort of trauma to be vulnerable with the world because the world isn't entirely safe. You cannot trust everybody, right? This is not like become you know the world's best social butterfly and like befriend everyone mm-hmm. and that's it. But that you get to you get to protect yourself. But the people that have shown that are there for you that are you know like this ride or die right like that are that are there that see you that want to see you and stand by you that you can't overprotect yourself from them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if you want if if you want to seek revenge Mm -hmm. on your perpetrators of violence the best revenge is your healing the best revenge is you reclaiming your life back the best revenge is you allowing people to love you and see you and that you love in return that's awesome because then you're not held captive yes to that don't sound like happened. good revenge i want to make yeah. you pay yeah. i'm gonna make you pay i'm just like enjoying my life that ain't revenge because they they don't they don't get to control your autonomic nervous system anymore mm. they don't get to they don't get to do that you do that now like you have the power to control everything in your body and you get to say i'm not i'm not gonna be in your like web anymore i'm not i'm not gonna be attached to you in this way yeah and i'm gonna i'm that you get to give yourself the life that you very well deserve and that you get to receive love and that you get to be seen yeah we need that and that you get to give yourself a safe body Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. that you get to give yourself a safe body if that was taken from you and you and you reclaim it and you take it back so how okay so in the moment because i love the idea of giving yourself like a safe body mm-hmm. in the moment of you know you're trying to be intimate with your partner mm-hmm. and you feel a reaction becoming or you be, feel yourself becoming activated it's the word that you were using how do you you take a deep breath in like mm-hmm. how do you like recenter yourself to be present in the moment and mm-hmm. that this is a safe like what are some like practical steps people can do i would even prior to having prior to having sex i would even start scanning my body like from the top of my head to my the tip of my toe and just see where tension is like wherever there's tension stored you're in a you're in an activated state and we can be like that all the time. Like, you know, my my jaw. Sure. This is where this is my hot spot for me. Like, I do this a lot, and so like <laughs> I have to right check. Now. Yeah, <laughs> and so I have to check myself and say, okay, like uh, this is this for a long period of time is gonna erode my teeth, right? Yeah, like, yeah. it is not good. Um, and so like calming my my scanning, like scanning my chest, scanning just my shoulders, and doing all that, and like really, um, like giving our body kind of like a wet noodle you know that just like yeah. Yeah. super sh- like mm. um like floppy what is it, floppy yeah. floppy and so making our body just like scanning our body even before sex and like just kind of giving ourselves or ensuring that there is no tension in your body because if there's tension in your body you you're perceiving threat and then if you're having sex with your partner mm-hmm. and you are in a threat response mm. you're not really enjoying it right yeah. that's good i think that's good even for people i mean maybe that didn't necessarily experience trauma but it's just a good way to kind of um be in your body mm-hmm. so like doing that scan of like how am i feeling you know where am i storing tension what's going on with me and i think it's really important for people to be in tune with their own body so that's Absolutely. a great great way to do that and that then like that's like step one like after you finish and you're making sure that there's no tension anywhere in your mm-hmm. body that then you can tell yourself like i'm safe and that maybe even then you bring your partner into this and that your partner remind you like you know I'm safe you know I'm here for you and I'm safe and that if can they use those words or those like good words to use yeah and and I'm and you know that's one idea but also even a safe word sometimes people prefer like a safe word um a stop word if it becomes you know too Too much much. and they're Mm -hmm. activated um but the idea is that you allow Oh, something is coming up um, that feels important to say, but that you allow yourself permission to enjoy sex mm-hmm. with your partner, that you give yourself permission to like have peak pleasure yeah. and enjoy sex with your partner. And I'm realizing, too, um, what I forgot to say earlier was that I think one of the reasons why survivors of sexual trauma are are either consciously or unconsciously afraid of enjoying sex with their partners is because there is like uh, this this belief narrative that if they enjoy sex, it's kind of like they are the perpetrator oh. of violence, mm. or like that somehow they, they are giving it. in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that now because 
of the sexual trauma that has happened in the past and who knows i don't know what internalized messages they've had from people yeah. in their families right. or so that have either have not believed them or have blamed them and stuff like that you know society blames a lot of survivors yeah. on sexual trauma right. so there is already this the narrative too of, that they're carrying the shame and all of that that they're carrying um about themselves that is also impeding them feeling like they can allow themselves and give themselves the permission to have sex because to to enjoy sex right. is like enjoying your abuse that's so a, yeah and that was a powerful connection i really yeah. hope that um that people who have experienced sexual trauma i feel like that may have been like a healing nugget to recognize that you can't to give yourself permission to enjoy sex does not in any way associate you with um the trauma that occurred and making you that you know the perpetrator or that you deserved it or you mm -hmm. know whatever narrative you tell yourself i feel like that might be um an important nugget for people to mm -hmm. hear a really important nugget for people to hear that i most definitely couldn't have articulated any better than you said it so that was really good yeah i just want folks to really uh it's important to me um and in my work with my own clients many of them who are also survivors of sexual trauma, that they extend to themselves compassion, mm -hmm. that the goal is to shift the shame that they carry into compassion, mm -hmm. that they get to say, you know, I understand why I protect myself with my partner. I understand why I protect myself with my friends. Of course, how could I not? All this stuff happened to me in my past. Of course, I'm going to be more um, on edge. Of course, I'm going to be kind of just, I'm, I'm going to struggle with trust. Of course. And I think that is like a step one that you actually begin to understand yeah. your own internal process that you begin to like understand and, 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 and show up for yourself with love and gentleness. When you just did that, it reminded me of uh, when we had Emily Nagowski on and I was talking about like, how can I do better about this and like kind of control this? And she was like, nope, what you need to do is say basically what you said, like, I understand why I'm this way and it is OK. And I mm -hmm. accept myself, you know, as is with all of this that's going on. And it doesn't make me wrong or, you know, mm -hmm. flawed or whatever. Mm -hmm recognizing that your body is set up to protect yourself like mm -hmm. to protect you and so right. all of these mechanisms that are are within you aren't wrong they're not mm -hmm. bad they're there mm -hmm. for a reason right. it's just learning to um accept it and then recognizing thank you body but mm -hmm. in this moment it's safe right yes i love that mm -hmm. i love how yes Thank you. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I appreciate the times that you try to protect me when I need protection. Right. Right. Yeah, but you're good, bro. I got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I need you to have off. a seat. I need you to rest. Yeah. Yeah. Rest. Because I got it from here. Yeah. That, I mean, essentially, that's what she said. I think that's so powerful um, for people to hear of any sort of trauma or anytime you feel um captivated or i don't know if captivated is the right word but arrested by mm -hmm. your trauma being able to say no 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 body like thank you i know that like you always got me and you're trying to protect me but in this mm -hmm. moment what i need you to do is rest mm -hmm. have a seat over there mm -hmm. because i'm in a safe space with my partner and i want to yes. have the opportunity to enjoy this moment and i've had people um speak to their like inner child like the part of them whatever age that they were sexually abused as children and say to that part of them thank you mm. like thank you for doing whatever and everything that you needed to do for me to get to where i am today mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. thank you for saving me okay. 
Thank That's you. Powerful. Thank that you is. for bringing me to this moment. And I want you to rest now. I got this. I'm about to cry too. <laughs> like, oh no. I got this. And now it's my turn to protect you. But I, a little inner, our little children don't belong in our adult relationships. Oh, that's so good. And, and they need rest. You okay, Kev? I'm not going to feel that feeling. <laughs> if I start talking to little Kev, I'm going to be an ugly mess. I'm going <laughs> cry in between podcasts in February. I know. And I'm just, I saw little Kev and they're like, well, my dad ain't there. And I'll be like, no, little Kev, mm. shut up. <laughs> you play with those little cat guns and you're going to be fine. Oh, man. <laughs> that was a really powerful moment. Okay, so on that note, we're going to take a break. So we took a break because we want to tell you really quickly about Blue Chew. As you know, Blue Chew um, is a friend of the podcast. We absolutely love and enjoy Blue Chew. They're the first chewable tablet with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy. It ships right to your door in a very discreet discreet package right now we have a very special offer for our listeners visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our promo code love just pay five dollars for shipping again that's blue chew blue like the color b-l-u-e chew.com use promo code love to try it for free while we're here let's just talk about you know we have our love hour podcast package and blue chew goes in there they are love our podcast approved have a good night tonight or any night when you use blue chew go to bluechew.com promo code love try for free just pay five dollars for shipping thank you guys so much now back to the episode um kev so the thing that i tried not to engage with you on is that little kid right it is insane to me how much we carry that into our adult lives in in so many different ways um that's like why we try so hard with our children to give them voices and things like that but man if you don't deal with that little it's kind of have you watched the show dexter that no okay no, so I'm terrible with shows it's, it's fine <laughs> he had what his dad called a dark passenger mm. and it was like this dark energy that he carried with him throughout his life and i feel like in some ways, that little kid is kind of like our dark passenger. It's like mm-hmm. always reminding us of what happened, what it used to be like. And it kind of prevents us from living life to its fullest potential if left undealt with. Like if you don't like what you said is like a very practical way of like dealing with that uh, previous very real trauma that 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 previous version of you had to live. And I think what you what, what I'm hearing is you've got to really deal with that within yourself yeah. to allow yourself to be free from that and therefore to in, in, enjoy the next part of your life. Whether it's sexual trauma, emotional trauma, um, whatever that issue is, like um, in some ways, even me, I'm still carrying that who is going like, okay, this is silly, but it's not because it's very real. Mm-hmm. I always have this, this underlying fear that Melissa is going to lead me to, right? Like she's going to Yes, uh, cheat on me I, 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 you know what I mean like I used to go through her phone like some and I never knew where it was coming from and I think now it kind of clicked like maybe because my people that I needed to be there anxiously attached they yeah. weren't there mm-hmm. so now this person yeah. who I've given everything like been completely vulnerable with I'm like worried like what if that person does what these people did because this is the only person that I've loved 
with this much love that I love these other people with. So I'm kind of like waiting for that other shoe to drop. You know, yeah. what is she gonna do? What you know, like it's just it's it's silly because she hasn't done anything to to warrant that. Mm -hmm. Like not even a hint of a whisper of a Lacroix soda <laughs> tints of a strawberry. But in my mind, it is a very real possibility, yeah. even though she has given me no reason to believe that's true. Mm -hmm. Can I say something that um, Emily said? Me cry. In, you say that, something else. I, it might make you cry a little bit. But I think instead of telling yourself it's silly, you should tell yourself thank you. Yes. Thank me for because what? Because that's what we just learned, that your body is trying to protect you from being hurt. And then you just tell it to have a seat, though. Like you should really say, instead of saying like, that's silly, I really shouldn't do that because that's beating yourself up. And it's, oh, Emily said this too. It's judging yourself. Yeah. So don't judge the, like, don't judge the action. Just like, let it be, let it be truth, but acknowledge it as like, thank you for reminding me that hurt is real in the world. But mm -hmm. this is, a, this is, um, this person I can be safe with. I'm safe with my feelings are safe with this person. I'm allowed to be vulnerable with this person. I don't have to do these things and like have up all these safeguards and all this armor uh, with yeah. this person. Well, you know what's interesting about this too? This is a very cliche in superhero stories, but it happens in real life. Mm -hmm. People like, have you seen Logan? I do a lot of movie references and TV shows. She okay. hasn't seen it. Just okay. the she thing. ain't seen nothing. <laughs> so this is a very <laughs> common trope bad. in superhero stories. I am bad, therefore yeah. I don't deserve love yeah. Yeah. because something happened to me. Mm -hmm. So when people try to love me, I'm going to push them away first yep. before they have a chance to push me away. Yeah. Right? And that happens in right. movies all the time. And I think that happens in people's real lives. Yes. Like, I'm honestly, unbeknownst to them, like they are the, they push people away. And then when they push them away, they're like, see, that's why that person left yep. me. Right. And that's yep. why I don't let anybody get close. And like, right. and we take, they take themselves out of the equation the action that pushed that person away and they only remember that we're broken up now. Yeah. And this is why I can never have right. nice things because people always leave me. Right. You know what I mean? That, and that, I love how you're saying that too because that, that shows like the terror of intimacy. Mm -hmm. That the solution of I'm going to just like create this self-fulfilling prophecy for myself. Yeah. So that way it, it feels predictable. Right. And if it's predictable and familiar, I can control it. You know what? Okay, so here's one thing I think interesting. Good. So you, t we, we talk about like you talk about domestic violence mm -hmm. earlier, right? And a lot of fr female friends that I've had, they've been in domestic violence relationships multiple times, mm -hmm. and it's like we. I was talking to my homegirl about it this years, years, years ago, and I was like, well, "Do you think you're choosing these men?" And, and she was like, "Honestly, sometimes I provoke these." Mm. things because i had so much dysfunction like when things are too like nice for long it feels unfamiliar and like chaos is more familiar yeah so she was like i'll, I'll provoke something because that feels more normal mm -hmm. and and therefore she ends up having those same relationships again yeah. another friend of mine she got cheated on one time legit and then every time she thought every guy was going to cheat on her so she would like drive them crazy and then when they try to break up with her she wouldn't let them so they end up cheating on her and then she's like, this is what I be talking about. This is why I always get cheated on. And I just think that's, this is probably why, this is one of the reasons why therapy is so valuable is because we are repeating behaviors because we don't know the origin of them. Yeah. We just feel like we're doing the same thing, but it's, right. we're actually repeating the actions that, that determine that same outcome without realizing it. At, it's it's a reflexive response, right? Doctor hits your knee and you go like this. Mm -hmm. You're not, it's not a conscious 
really a conscious choice. You're just navigating with what you know, with what, what's been modeled to you, what you've experienced. Yeah. That is all you know. And so you're going to continue to do as you know until you learn differently and decide, make, make a conscious choice and be intentional about Trust doing me. differently, yeah. about having it, being intentional about your relationships, being yeah. intentional about your healing, being intentional about the dynamics that you are also bringing into the spaces that you have with um, other people and how, you know, your own trauma is also coming into the room and how, you know, their trauma is also coming into the room. Do you think people don't visit therapists or don't do this because navigating those feelings is too hard? <laughs> Because yeah, I'm, I'm so the last year and a half, I've been trying to feel my feelings. So old Kevin married to Melissa, I could not be vulnerable and it was okay. Right. In order to move to the next phase of our marriage, I had to be vulnerable. So now Melissa against me and everything I want her to do <laughs> has been on some feel your feelings, feel your feelings, feel your feelings. Now I be crying all over the place. Yes. Even more like last I was looking at an episode like last summer we were at Jay's house. Is, it's not just the Internet. Like, it's how I take the world, my own world, and apply it to all my relationships. Mm -hmm. Not just my relationship with Melissa. It's my relationship with my audience, myself, coworkers, people. It's, it's, it's all of that. It, it's, it's, it's a lot. And that's why a lot of people are afraid to go into therapy. Yes. They're afraid. Everyone's like, I'm going to drown in my tears. You know, like, when I, was in, when, I, when I started my therapy, my therapist would just say, why aren't you crying? Mm -hmm. And I was just like not doing it <laughs> like not doing it because if i cry i'm not gonna stop Duh, yeah and then i started getting to the point of crying and the wind would just blow a different direction i was just like oh, why? why like it was going this way and i was going this way why <laughs> That's and it so was all weird. like unpredictable and it, and and it, and and it's just grief that's grief that yeah. is that is uh, that is uncried tears. That is years of uncried tears that are finally like uncried tears. Freedom. That and is are my just issue. Coming out. Yeah. I have freaking <laughs> silos of <laughs> years, servers full, store freaking farms of uncried tears. They're like, man, we never. Hold up, hold up. We come out. <laughs> I'm crying about stuff I should have yeah. cried about in 2003 right. that I just pushed through a lot on, and that's yeah. honestly my fear. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to find out about myself in there. Right. And I'm almost afraid of what that person might become. So I call a therapist like, oh, they didn't answer. No message. See, <laughs> I tried. Did it. <laughs> I called. They did not answer. That's not my fault. They didn't want to look. I called it at 11.33 at night. Like, well, looks like they're closed. I can never be therapized. <laughs> don't take Kevin's advice. Go to therapy, people. Um, I have a question for you. Go yeah. ahead. Finish your thought. I was going to say this to that. There's a quote by um, Anais Nin that I hope I don't mess up, but it talks about the that there comes a, a point where the ro the rosebud is um it's, it's more painful for the rosebud to stay in its bud mm. than it takes than the risk it takes to bloom. to bloom i would somebody google it the the the, the, the quote is much better <laughs> the rosebud be growing it'd yeah. be hard but also it'd be good <laughs> I'm pulling it but it talks about just that, that at some point we are faced with, am I going to just stay in this pain that I've known all my entire life? Or am I going to just take this risk of the unknown that is super scary, but right now the pain of staying as is and stagnant and stuck is way more painful and I'm losing everything. Okay, here it is. 
and the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. I'm happy yeah. they used the word risk because that's yeah. what I wanted to add. Yes. yes. A that. nice name. Yes. I love that. That is good. Yeah, that's good. Um, so I think we're going to end on Thank this. You, Jesus. I made it. <laughs> yes, we made it. I cried four I had, times so in this I had, episode. I had tension in my shoulders the whole episode. I oh. need to look at uh, <laughs> I don't know if I what is it yeah. called when you always feel for other people or empath? Yeah. yeah. I feel like I might be that because I I be crying for other people's stuff. Make a good yes. therapist. I wanna <laughs> do it one day. Okay, but my last question is I think I do. I really do. I love I like I genuinely love in this, in this, this stuff. I just enjoy it. You can therapist um, me. I be. <laughs> um if you are the partner of someone who has experienced trauma, sexual trauma, what are some things that person can do uh, to help like aid their partner? And maybe there, there's nothing. I think I always want to be very careful about applying a lot of ownership to someone else in someone else's journey mm-hmm. of healing, mm-hmm. healing mm-hmm. journey. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm always very mindful of that, but at the same time, I'm sure there are some things that the person can do that can offer like support or mm-hmm. something like that. So what are some like things they can do? I think definitely, you know, when it comes to sex, like not pressuring your partner to have sex, if they're feeling afraid or not ready that you even maybe even sit with them and like that you say, you know, Hey, do you want to breathe together? Mm-hmm. Do you want to breathe together? Like mm-hmm. let's, let's engage in this moment where, the idea is if sexual intimacy feels too scary, then what else can we do? What are the building blocks toward feeling safe in the bed? I like can that. We... I love that. I love that. I, let me tell you just really quickly why I just want to take a moment to say why I love this idea. Because it's about creating an environment of safety. Yes. And if I'm in a moment where I feel activated and you're just like, oh, well, and you Mm -hmm. leave, child, everything in me is like, you're not safe. This isn't safe. And the next time around, and now I'm creating a narrative about our relationship. Hey, one thing we both know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I didn't say I didn't know music. Um, and so I think the idea of experiencing intimacy in that moment that's not sexual is still really powerful yeah. and something that you can reap dividends on later. Yes. So Building good. blocks of trust and, and safety. And even like uh, what, when I was in couples therapy with my husband, what we did, we did soul gazing. Mm-hmm. So our therapist had us just like sit next to each other and like just look at each other's eyes. And, you know, we were, like, laughing at each other. Yeah. Like, of course, uncomfortable. Right, they're, right. like, seeing me. Yeah. Um, but at some point, you just, like, you start, like, just tearing. Yeah. You start just, like, I really see you and, yeah. and, and, and I feel you and you feel me. And that also, Powerful. that is a practice where you don't have to be having sex, but just creating these building blocks, yeah. creating a safe right. environment mm-hmm. to foster the trust. Absolutely. So good anything else and just reminding them too like that i'm safe you know that that i that you know you are safe with them mm-hmm. and that i mean that could look like even like week um weekly or whatever monthly check-ins on like how's this relationship going what can i do to support you you know more that can look like going to a trauma-informed couples therapist mm-hmm. that can look like um the idea is to try to connect 
I kind of feel like I'm going, but it's, it's, it, the idea is to connect with somebody on a safe level. And safe, of course, intimate, but not, but non-sexual. Right, level. exactly. And of yeah. course to respect, Super. like I said, when they don't want to, yeah. um, that, that it's important that just because you're their partner or their spouse that you don't feel like you are entitled to them to have sex with you mm -hmm. and and because that is important because the person the survivor might feel like they're obligated to have sex with yep. you so you ensure that you have their consent yeah is important uh when it comes and you were to talking off camera about active consent yeah eager, eager, consent, yes, eager, eager. what is that so that um so that the survivor of sexual trauma might feel like oh i have to do it with my partner because it's just something that we have to do it's like partners i have to just do it right to be a, a good whatever husband or good wife yeah, or this, i gotta take or the this. trash out in order right to have more right trash to put in. <laughs> exactly and so that is not real consent like that yeah. is just like obligation yeah mm. but con real consent is like yes like let's do this like mm. i want to enjoy you i want to like like envelop like let's mm. do this yeah. that is eager consent and Got that it. is the consent we're looking for so good um we covered a lot yeah. I think so. Yeah, no, we actually we did cover a lot. Um, I think I want to end on this note, but I do want to give you the platform to um, share anything that you feel is important that maybe we didn't hit on. And then from there, you can give like your social media um, information for people who are interested in following you or connecting with you. I just want to say, I really just have a, just a message in general that, you know, your trauma is not your fault, mm -hmm. right? You didn't ask for it. Um, it isn't your fault at all. And I think it's important, going back to what I said before, to extend yourself that love and that compassion. Mm -hmm. and to remind yourself it isn't your fault, but your healing is your responsibility. Mm -hmm. Your healing is your responsibility. And at the end of the day, you feel more empowered and you reclaim your life and you deserve that mm -hmm. and you're worthy of that you are worthy of joy you are worthy of happiness and and you're worthy of feeling like no one's going to rob you from it mm -hmm. or no one's going to take take your joy or your happiness away from you that you deserve to receive love and that you're worthy of it so good i think that's my message so good and um and my instagram is uh natalie gutierrez lmft yes at so. Natalie Gutierrez <laughs> I don't have a Facebook or anything like okay. that it's just too much so I just think to basic Instagram. IG <laughs> um, and I will make sure to have all of her information in the description box at, uh, description box as well for everyone who is interested um, thank you so much thank you thank, thank you, you so thank you much thank this has been um, one of the most impactful episodes I think we've had and um, I think we did it justice. So thank mm. you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you so very much for joining us here. Thank today. you for having me and uh, for believing that I could send a message. Yeah, this was so phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, thank you guys for joining us today on this episode. I think this is not the last episode of February. So never mind. Uh, we will see you <laughs> next week. I do not remember who the guest is, but yeah, that'll round out um, February talking about sex. And that's it, y'all. Oh, next week we're talking about kinks. 
Oh, you got the media. I just remembered who the guest is. <laughs> is it Christian Gray? No. Um, she's a black lady, black LMFT that I found, and we are going to actually nice. be talking about kinks and, and um, BDSM and all of that. That's so funny because I talked about it this morning. It's because my body remembered that I had yes. remembered it a yes. while ago when I was catching the video. Yes. Um, so stay tuned for that. That'll be a really interesting episode. And I think that's it. Stay tuned also when this episode drops either on Thursday or possibly the day before. I'll be running a flash sale for the conference. Mm. It'll only be 24 hours. So get your coins together mm. so you can come. And um, that's it. Until the next time, thank you so much. Bye.